everybody. Welcome to the Vanquish Your Business Demons podcast with the lovely croaky Julia Stock and the lovely croaky Vicky Henderson. Hello, darling. Hello. Oh, you got to love being post-COVID, haven't you? Fabulous. <laughs> yes. So we apologise in advance if we cough, splutter or otherwise sound unpleasant. Um, but, you know, we're pushing through. Last week, we talked about performance management which is one of our favorite subjects isn't it it is yes um and in all of that performance management conversation the implication of course is that you can fix the problem yes but you can't always fix the problem can you no you can't (laughs) there are times when no matter what you do and how you do it and how tried and effective your process has been in the past it's just not going to work this time yes or that the situation has got out of hand um or the thing that your staff member has done that has offended you is so egregious that actually you have to draw a line in the sand and go no (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Uh, we're going to talk about the thing that scares business owners possibly the most, short of running out of money, um, which is disciplinary and grievance procedures. (laughs) Woohoo! It's so sexy here today. (laughs) So from a mindset perspective, as a business owner, why might I not want to engage with formal disciplinary and grievance procedures. Um, You might be worried about being judged by the rest of your staff because of the action that you are taking. It becomes very public very quickly, doesn't it? It becomes very public. Um, You might be worried about getting it wrong. Yep. Which gets Um, very expensive very quickly. Exactly. Which is why it's really important to make sure you've taken good advice. And you, if you're very empathetic, you will have an element of knowing that that person has bills to pay, maybe has a family at home and everything else. And you'll be like, oh, but I can't. And you're like, but no, you actually just have to get on with it. And at the end of the day, if they're damaging your business and they're not right for your business, you can't put up with it because it's damaging you. It potentially damages your income, your reputation. So you have to get on and do it no matter how Oh well you know. You know, you almost sometimes I find people make excuses um, for why the person might be like that um, because they don't want to take the action. They, they're worried about it. Linked to that is also a concern about not knowing what you're doing. Um, nobody wants to be in a position where they are taking formal action against their staff on a regular basis on a really regular basis so you want to build your competence in this area over a number of years yes (laughs) not in a number of weeks um and yeah it's i suppose what we need to start doing is unpicking the difference between discipline and grievance 
because they are different even though they have a habit of being spouted out in the same sentence it's a discipline grievance procedure no they are completely separate if you you know speak to any hr professional or go to the cipd website where there's a whole library of documents it's all separate exactly so discipline is when i do not like what you have done so i am disciplining you as the boss um so that might be in relation to you failing to follow procedure or policy um having such a massive stuff up that it's just really obvious that something awful has gone wrong um it may be about your behavior so you have lots of stuff around these long-term low-level niggles um grievance is when you as the member of staff do not like either what i as your employer have been up to and how i've been treating you or generally in my experience it's normally somebody else particularly in a slightly large organization um so um yeah i've got a grievance against someone else conflict which is the third part of this triumvirate of happiness generally is when two members of staff are going at it with each other so grievance is when i don't like you as a member of staff um but you aren't fighting back i suppose you might have done something horrid um you might be really annoying but you're just going on in your happy little way normally completely oblivious to the fact you've massively upset somebody um conflict is when we're yes having a merry battle between ourselves and as the boss you're basically getting involved pulling people apart metaphorically bashing their heads together um and trying to resolve it because you can't have that going on now in my experience of having dealt with this for over 20 years um conflicts and grievances can be the most fun because you don't know where they're going um it is not uncommon for a conflict or a grievance to then turn into a disciplinary and it's also not uncommon for them to turn into a disciplinary for someone completely different that you had no idea was involved when you started out you must have seen that yourself Yes, probably to a lesser extent than you, but um, I've seen all sorts of weird and wacky stuff come out of having conversations on a very formal level with people. I think one of the things that I've seen most is where HR gammon get involved and suddenly all sorts of stuff starts coming out of the woodwork where actually there's a grievance one person has a grievance about this person but the minute you start to do your investigations around it yeah all sorts of other stuff comes out of the woodwork um and certainly the hr lady that i collaborate with she says one of the things that happens is that she gets called into a business to sort it out and then she realizes that they've not done everything correctly according to hr 
up until that point. So then there's an element of backpedaling. Well, where's the contract? Where's this? Where's that? Have you taken this? Have you? And she finds that actually they've got themselves into a pickle because as the employer, they've not done what they needed to do to be in a position to actually legally advance the grievance, the disciplinary, the conflict, whatever it is. Which is a really important point in terms of, first of all, there's doing the right thing by your staff and you cannot overestimate that. The second thing is in terms of risk management of your legal exposure. Um, People are always terrified of being taken to tribunal um, and tribunal isn't anywhere you want to end up um, because you're not in control Um, and the outcome you mean generally people get to tribunal because they've been stubborn and they've stuck their toes in um, and not compromised because it gets too emotional. Yeah. So the starting point of that risk management, as you've said, is to make sure you've got a contract of employment as soon as somebody turns up. Um, a really, really brilliant resource, particularly in the UK, is the ACAS website, A-C-A-S. Um, they have free to download contract templates. You don't have to be paying an HR person you can literally go on the ACAS website, download the template, fill it in, boom, you're covered. And if you are following that ACAS website template, which is considered to be best practice for legislation within the UK, you've already done an enormous amount to mitigate your risk for going to tribunal because you have best practice. Thank you very much. Um, In terms of policies and procedures, there's lots of people who go completely overboard with formal policies and procedures um, and go, we must have this giant employee handbook. Not really. Um, When you are a teeny tiny business, things move very quickly. How you need to behave moves very quickly. So you only need to codify the things that have settled down and you only need to codify the things that are really, really important to you. If you codify everything, my concern is always while you're busy writing it down, what aren't you doing instead? Yeah. Um, You can take disciplinary action against people if you don't have written policies and procedures, but it is easier to if you do. Um, the reason for the writing it down is it gives you strength. It makes it easier for you to train people against that policy. It makes it easier for you to hold people accountable against that policy. But the policy has to be up to date. Yeah. So if how you're working is changing 37 times an hour, don't write it down. (laughs) because it's going to be out of date by next week and that doesn't help you in the slightest. Oh yes, I'm holding you accountable to a policy we no longer follow. Yes, it's because it changed. Well done. Yes. Um, And when you are in a very creative, you know, pivoting, um, growing too quickly phase, writing it all down doesn't add much value. Mm. And when you're in that phase, you know, 
you're looking for your staff to keep up with you. So we have to kind of cut them some slack. In terms of disciplinaries, so I have decided I don't like what you have been up to, Ms. Henderson. The starting point is to investigate, isn't it? It is, yeah. The investigation happens before you have decided what you're doing. And it is really, really, really important that we go into that investigation with an open mind. Because the point of an investigation is we don't know everything. So even if I've observed you doing something, I still need to ask your colleagues their opinion about what they saw. You know, have you done this before? Um, you know, you need to be looking at the records, don't you? Yes, um, which means you need to have the records and the data available to you, potentially. Um, but the point but of the investigation is to find out what records and what information you do yes. have, because that investigation phase is either going to strengthen your case against that member of staff. Case. Yes, exactly. Or it's going to tell you, oh, <laughs> what actually went on was not what I thought went on. Oh, now we're heading off in a different direction. Direction. Which is why you have to have the open mind. You are investigating. Yes, you need to write people letters. You know, you need to write. So if I've fallen out with you, I need to write to you to say, um, please can you come in for an investigation hearing? And on such and such a time, you need to give people, particularly in the UK, and I think it's good practice anywhere, the opportunity to bring somebody with them. Yeah. Um, generally, that person helps calm things down. It's not a reason to be wary. Um, and it also tends to make you behave better as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that on the, there's also suggestions that if you can have somebody with you, that's useful as well, so that you've got corroboration on both sides as to what's said, as a witness on both sides. I mean, an investigation hearing is not formal. It's a yeah. kind of formal part of the process, but it's there to find out what's going on. So yeah. if you feel that you are too close to a situation, then think about who should be running that investigation instead of you um if you're too emotionally invested and there have been times when i have deliberately um delegated a disciplinary hearing to somebody else because i felt i wasn't the right person to be in the room um, yeah i think that's a really important consideration to have um is to be able to say actually no, I can't be neutral. You know, I this cannot too spend personal. my own judgment to do, a, yeah, to do a, a a properly sort of neutral investigation. Therefore, yeah, I need yeah. to either get someone else in to do it or delegate it to someone else. Absolutely, um, there's no harm in that. And actually, from the other side, as the staff member who's been accused or is being investigated that gives me more confidence in the process mm. particularly 
if I feel hard done by by my boss, yeah. it's very difficult to be disciplined by the person that you feel is partly responsible. Yeah. Um, so giving somebody the opportunity to vent to somebody else can be a good thing. And it's not necessarily always going to come back against you. And this is where the 50% rule comes in. 50% okay. of everything that goes wrong is your fault as the boss. Yes. So it doesn't matter how much you think that that member of staff stuffed up entirely on their own in some way your behavior your training your processes your business contributed to that and in order to make life better moving forward we need to understand what that is and i think that comes back to a major mindset issue as well is that for some people actually taking that responsibility on um is very uncomfortable yes and that actually you know it you do have to be a real grown-up at this point and say okay i'm responsible for 50 percent of this you know i maybe didn't get the communication right and you do have to use it as a learning what did, what can i learn from this that so that will prevent this situation arising in the future um because if you don't take responsibility and you put the blame somewhere else, you're not going to resolve the problem long term and you risk the whole thing coming back up again in a, in a different scenario with a different person. Yep, absolutely. Um, so once we've done our investigation, we're either going to talk ourselves out of it on the, oh, that wasn't what I thought, or, uh, yeah, all right then. Or you're going to talk yourself into it on the, no way what she did was so wrong you know it was such a breach of x y and z um you know the clients are so furious that i have to do something what we're then going to do is invite them into a disciplinary hearing so effectively there you are presenting back the findings of the investigation you're talking things through you're letting them give their side of it. Again, the ACAS website has got good templates to use to invite people to a disciplinary hearing. Um, in that template, you have to be clear about what we are talking about. You're not allowed to go off on one in a disciplinary. Um, so, yeah, generally you want to have a bullet point list of three or four you know, up to three or four um, areas for conversation. Um, so, you know, we received a complaint from such and such and such and such about this. Um, I noticed, you know, here is the evidence of you not attending. Here, you know, you claimed that you were sick on this day, this day and this day, but we have never received your sick note. You know, you're being really, really specific which again lots of people really struggle with don't they they do um and it, there are certain people in life who love specifics and there are certain people in life who just don't and if you're one of those people that doesn't that again is where you maybe need to get somebody else involved with you um because it's really really important that you do those specifics and i think the other thing to interject here from a, a, an emotional intelligence point of view is that this is where your emotional management really comes into it because you need to be able 
to go into that meeting and you need to be a grown up and you need to be calm and you need to be not losing your temper, not raising your voice. You need to be the consummate professional in that setting. And again, and if you can't, don't take the meeting. Don't do it. <laughs> and if you can't, go and have a long look in the mirror as to why you can't, because you need to sort this out long term. Otherwise, you are going to lose more and more members of staff if you cannot manage your negative emotions effectively. Yeah. So within that disciplinary hearing, again, they're entitled to bring somebody with them. Um, they're potentially going to be presenting back evidence as to why they didn't do what they said. Um, and then after that hearing, you're going to go away and have a think. Again, you cannot go into it with a fixed mindset. No. Um, you have to keep an open mind. You have to be prepared to think about it. After that, certainly within the UK, there's three different levels of action that you can take, four different levels, really. So you can decide, following a disciplinary hearing, to take no action. Thank you very much. I've marched you up to the top of the hill, and I accept what you said. Accept your apology. Thank you very much. We've decided not to take any action. Then you've got the verbal warning, which always amuses me in that you have to write it down. <laughs> yes, I love that. I am writing you a letter to inform you that I'm giving you a verbal warning. Okay. <laughs> um, that's level one. Um, it's the lowest level of disciplinary action. You can decide how long that is staying on their record. Normally it's six months, isn't it? Um, it is. And I think it's really important at that point that also you put in place a plan to resolve or improve in the various areas that... So in that to. letter, you should be saying, it's been given to you for this, this and this, um, and these are the steps that we require you to take. Um, and yes, if you do the same thing again within the next six months, then more action will happen. Yeah. You can go straight to a written warning, which is level two. Um, so what should be the case is that in your contract of employment, you have a disciplinary section. You're smiling because that requires a contract of employment. Yes. Within that contract of employment, you should basically have these are the key disciplinary offences. Um, so verbal warning is going to be your kind of low level stuff, you know, consistent lateness, you know, not having a sick note for whatever, you know, your low level stuff. Level two is going to be more of your misconduct stuff. Um, and then level three, gross misconduct, are those offences that are so serious and so hateful that if you're found guilty of that, we can sack you with no notice and by ignoring all the other stages. So it's not a set of stairs where you have to go verbal warning, written warning, then departure. For something that's that serious, we can go straight to exit. For something that serious that you're going straight to exit, you have to make sure your ducks are lined up in a row because you're basically booting somebody out of the business with no notice. You're about to be completely evil. If it's that bad, 
you know, and we're talking about theft. Yeah. Yeah. Borderline criminal activity is what we're talking about for gross misconduct. Um, The trust has broken down so much that no, you just can't work here anymore. Um, They're going to fight it. So you have to have your drugs lined up in a row. Yeah, because you have to give them the right to appeal at every level, don't you? They have the right to appeal. If you've done the investigation correctly, if you've done the hearing correctly, they won't appeal because they will feel heard, they will feel treated fairly, and they will know that, yeah, they've burnt their bridges. If you haven't done it right, then they will appeal. Or there will be some people where they're just that kind of person and they will appeal just because they can. Yeah. And they'll throw all kinds of stuff at you. Um, And I think, again, this is where you have to have your, you have to be able to manage your frustration and your anger and things in that if you know a hot headed person, you have to be really careful what you say right at the beginning because if you say you know if you try to bypass the non-judgmental investigation and the procedures that need to go past and just fire someone and i know somebody who tried it um you're getting yourself into all sorts of hot water your your emotional outburst your inability to control your own emotions is getting you into all sorts of hot water that is going to come back and haunt you it's going to cost you money um you know Tribunals are there to hold people accountable who don't follow good practice. If you're not following good practice in such an important part of your business, you kind of get what you deserve. Yeah. However, there are plenty of staff um, who will try it on by going to tribunal um, or threatening to go to tribunal because they feel aggrieved and are feeling grief and rage about how they've been treated or can't see that their behaviour was so bad, that's almost a tax on doing business. It's what it can feel like. And you just have to suck it up. Sometimes we have to spend money, more money than we would like, in order to get rid of somebody. But if you've fallen out with them that badly then it's normally worth it and you've got to think about the reputation of the business long term um i happen to know an organization where they discriminated quite badly against people with quite serious illness and disability Mm -hmm. and the people concerned were so tired with the whole thing they didn't take it any further yeah and what they did was they essentially released three people into quite a small town who had all suffered discrimination on a level that they shouldn't have done. Yeah. And then you've got those three people wandering around saying, do not go and work for that company. Yep. And reputation, reputation, reputation. Exactly. It not just impacts your ability to attract customers, it impacts your ability to attract talent. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't overestimate the importance of don't touch those people with a barge pole. Yeah. Um, 
so that was kind of the whistle stop tour <laughs> to how to do disciplinaries without stuffing it up i know we make it sound so much easier than it is exactly because when you get involved there's a whole shed load of emotion on both sides and kind of yes kind of no i think it comes back to this having an open mind yeah um if you go in thinking that you've got all the answers you will stuff it up if you go into it with the same i think it comes from that performance management mindset as well yes, i can see you're not performing talk to me about why yeah i can see we've had a disaster here talk to me about why as a business owner, you cannot overestimate the importance of why. Which seems like a great place to end. It does. Darling, you've been magnificent as ever. I shall see you next week. Thank you very much for listening, everybody.